your friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast, ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Okay, Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one, let's go. True or false, Jesse Rubinoff, Swedish berries among the most underrated candy as I spit one out of my mouth. <laughs> good start. In Halloween. I, I agree. They're not quite as good as Big Feet, but I agree. That's not a Halloween candy, but I understand what you're talking about. I mean, it's not Halloween. Why not? But you, you, don't, you don't walk around and get, listen, you have no kids. What are you talking about here? Okay, you don't, you don't, this is, you're out of your wheelhouse right here. Okay, yeah, enlighten me as to what the okay. popular Halloween candy is. No, you don't get Big Feet when you walk house to house. No one is giving out bags of Big Feet. Right. You know what I had the other day, which is crazy? Big feet are wonderful, though. They are really good. Yeah, they're good. really good. Yeah. Chocolate-covered Swedish berries. What? Chocolate-covered Swedish berries. They weren't the official brand, but they were chocolate-covered, and they were good. I know good. what you're saying. They were really good. You know how I said the other day that, like, you put chocolate on anything from is that eat big, it. Is that Big Turk-ish? No. For our guy, Brad Trilliving? I don't think so. I don't think it's the same thing. i I, I got to be honest. I haven't had Big Turk in, like, maybe ever. So I think we might it's have Turkish to try it delight on the inside. That's a Turkish delight. I know, but have you, when was the last time you had a big Turk? Oh, probably like a year ago. A year ago, you went and got a big. Like, yeah, I okay. just saw it there, and I said, you know what? I haven't had a big Turk in a long time, and I had a big Turk. So there were like a multitude of options, and you said, I'm yeah, going to I'm choose have a, big a big Turk. Turk. Yeah, I don't believe that. A big Turk. Yeah, okay, I don't mind fine. them. Okay, doesn't mean that they're good. Right. So I don't mind them. It's like you saw a Twix and a big Turk, and you're telling me that you chose a big. No, Turk. I might have had the big Turk a week ago. Okay. Right. I mean, I might have had the Twix a week ago, and I decided to go Big Turk. I'm going to bring one in. I'm going to try it on the air, maybe, if you'll let me. I brought the, uh, the candy. I stole a candy from, if you're wondering what the hell this is all about. From the baby. Uh, uh, the kids brought home candy. It's way too much for them. So uh, the wife and I decided we were just going to steal half of their candy, and I brought it into work, and everyone's eating it. So that's where we are. This is Tim and Friends, <laughs> <laughs> live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto. I'm Tim McAlvo. Jesse Rubin and I are watching a couple of pretty dominant stories right now. The Jack Eichel trade, as he is officially moved from Buffalo to Vegas. The unbelievable Toronto Raptors winning their fifth straight game and the historic numbers being put up by the Edmonton Oilers watching all that right now couple that with four Canadian teams on the ice tonight and what was described in the Calgary Sun as the pomp and pageantry of the Pinty's Grand Slam of curling and I think we got a good show and for all those folks who are just watching curling listen it's more than Swedish berries around here mm. you're gonna want to stick around we have got a great giveaway for the curling folks that we will unveil in about 25 to 30 minutes time. So please stick around. And because of that pomp and pageantry, we're kind of all over the map. If you're watching on Sportsnet West, you've got us for an hour. Sportsnet for an hour and a half. And all y'all on Sportsnet 360, you got the full Monty. 120 minutes of whole grain goodness. Now I understand uh, this could be a tad more confusing than Island boy. Cause I'm an island boy and I've been trying to make. Oh, I'm an island boy. 
I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a get keyword going. You're gonna keep that gun. I'll be just staring at the sun. I'm just full gazing. I'm like, pull where I'm staying. They're like, you wanna be famous. I'm trying to be out all greatest. I'm gonna float all boy. I got a real damn tropic. I'm like, the damn, I'm the tropic. I'm an island boy. Put my vest on, yeah. Like a wild woman. Trying to make it to the if anyone ever asks you what cultural appropriation is, just put that video on. <laughs> Judgment-free zone here. Yeah, judgment-free zone. It, uh, probably not more confusing than Island Boy, but it could be more confusing than Island Boy. Raptors are, man, they, they, I'm going to say this, Jesse. They yeah. confuse me. I don't know how they're this good. Like, they just lost the groat. Greatest Raptor of all time. They don't have Pascal Siakam. Future Hall of Famer That's Scotty right. Barnes right. out for the last two. And they have won five in a row and are undefeated on the road. Time for Nick Nurse to get his damn flowers. We might walk that road in first things first. Kendrick Perkins, who is going to join us in the first hour, will also hit on the Celtic story. Oh, and yeah, Robert Sarver is about to be out as the owner of the Phoenix Suns, and that sounds like it's probably a pretty damn good thing. Also, live reaction to the Jack Eichel deal with Kyle Bukaskis in Ottawa. Golden Knights are in town. Eric Francis in Calgary, also a sit-down. Elliot Friedman, big time. This guy gets Jack Eichel the day he was traded for a sit-down, all within the hour. And it's exactly where we start. First things first, Jesse Rubinoff. Let's do this, Jonas Valanciunas. Mm. <laughs> a good year. A lot of rebounds. He's been getting rebounds yeah. for a while. No, he's really good. He's been yeah. really, really good. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a great fantasy player. Very Have you ever noticed that I've been doing player. that every day? Rhyming how oh, we're going to start? since I called you on the Larry Bird thing. I got yeah, it. when oh, I yeah. said to you, what's the word, Larry Bird? Yeah, 100%. Because you haven't been impressed with any of them. No, well, no, I just let bygones be bygones. I'm not going <laughs> to walk down that road again. Okay. Uh, Rob is saying, don't ever play that video again. Um, I would assume that Island Boy is one and done for us. But I, uh, I almost you. thought that I would throw to it again when I said the Raptors were confusing. You saw, if you rewind on the PVR, yeah. there was a little bit in my brain where I was thinking, let's roll it one more time, and then I powered through. Yeah, Island Boy, uh, 2021 in a nutshell. And by Island, yeah, 30 they, second video. And by Island, I think they mean Florida. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It is Florida. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. Uh, okay. Um, Jack Eichel was on a bit of an island in Buffalo. Yes, Not he anymore. Was. He's going to Vegas. The deal was officially announced this morning, ending the months-long standoff between the Sabres and their former captain. In return, Buffalo gets forwards Peyton Krebs and Alex Tuck, a top-ten protected first-round pick in next year's draft. Wow. And, and a second-round pick in 2023, while the Golden Knights also get the Sabres' third-round pick in 2023. Buffalo is not... We discussed this yesterday. Yeah. Buffalo is not retaining any of Eichel's $10 million salary. It's been a long time coming, obviously. What do you think of the deal? Gut reaction. Like, real talk, I, I'm glad this is done. Like, this was not a good look for the NHL and for the Sabres, who are basically standing in the way of their captain and a pretty damn good player, no matter what you think of him, doing what he thought was best for his body. Mm -hmm. Like, that's just... 
Like, honestly, it's not a good look for the Sabres. It's not a good look for the NHL. This needed to get taken care of probably a couple months ago. Yeah, they got to address that with the league, like, moving forward. Yes. Like, it shouldn't be allowed that the team could make that decision for the player. It should be in the player's hands, how they want to treat their own body. By the way, Jack Eichel, like, I, who knew he was so good at Photoshop? Yeah. See the tweet? That's not him. Come Jim. on, man. He's got a team. That's it. He's got people working for him. Apparently, Jack Eichel is really good at Photoshop, or someone did this for him (laughs) because he hasn't played a game in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey, but he's got a picture of himself in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey celebrating what seems to be a goal. Um, So, first things first, the human being in the story gets what he wants to do with his body, and I think that's probably a good thing that it's all over and done with. But I kept asking insiders... Last year at the deadline, last year in the playoffs, if the NHL was going to close this LTIR loophole. And every insider seemingly just told me, ah, not a real big problem. And then all of a sudden, Montreal's playing Nikita Kucherov in the Stanley Cup final. Mm -hmm. And more and more people start thinking, well, maybe this is a bit of a problem here. Like, is there any way that Vegas just made an LTIR pickup that they could stash Jack Eichel this entire regular season, they're in salary cap hell, and then bring them back in the postseason if and when they get there and add $10 million to their salary cap. Like, I hope this isn't part of the equation for Vegas, and I hope that whatever they do will address their salary cap hell. But right now, looking at their salaries and what they've got committed, they can't pull this off. That absolutely has to play into them making the move for Jack Eichel. Because they already have other dudes on the LTIR also. Correct. And had that not been the case, they probably wouldn't have had the salary cap room. Or they would have had to unload somebody else on their roster who was making more money and send them the other way to Buffalo. So I don't think there's any question that they're, that was part of the reason they were able to make the move for Eichel. I, I mean... They're going to have to get creative, though. I when mean, like, I, I, th- did they do this with the idea that he won't play a regular season game. Definitely. You think so? Definitely something that I don't think it matters to them. Because like, No, 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 it does because here, here's why. If he plays a regular season game yeah. this year, then they've got to move salary. They've got to do something. Yes, if he doesn't play a regular season game, they could finagle little piece, little move. If he plays a regular season game this year, there is a distinct move that they have to make. And I just, I, it's not a good, again, <laughs> not a good look for the NHL. I, I, yeah, first of all, they got to they make the playoffs first. And as of right now, they're struggling because they have so many bodies injured. Yeah. Uh, I think it raises a very good point. But if you're the, the Vegas Golden Knights, would you want Jack Eichel's first game after a neck surgery that's never happened before to be in the playoffs? No, but Probably you, not. No, and, I, and it would be hard to integrate them and all those things, but how bad would it look if they get into the playoffs in and a pretty weak back. division, right? Division doesn't look good. Yeah. He comes back and helps them over the hump. That'll be two years in a row where the NHL had someone like $10 million over the cap in the postseason. And Tampa's doing it again right now with Kucherov again. Yeah, I mean... This is an issue. It doesn't seem like he's going to sit out the entire regular season yeah. this year, but... Wow. There's no question there's an issue here. Um, well, Elliot Friedman, 
They had it ready to go once the trade broke. So Elliot Friedman was able to sit down yes. with Jack Eichel big this time morning. Stuff. Remember he said, "Big that, ups to Elliot Friedman." Do you remember he said, "Like I wish I was big enough to have a guy read tweets on air for yeah. me"? Yes. Was that yesterday? That was yesterday. That was yesterday on the show. He said that. This is bigger. I wish that I could get a guy like moments after he's traded in the blockbuster deal of the year. We're gonna play that a little later on in the show, <laughs> but here's a sneak peek. You know, it's been a long process. It's been dragged out. It's probably been, um, it's not probably, it's definitely been uh, made a lot probably uh, more public and, and um, a lot bigger deal in, in the media. And I feel like people have been talking about it. And quite honestly, I feel a little bit embarrassed. I'm not going to do something to myself that I don't believe in. Uh, I'm not going to get a surgery I don't believe in. Uh, I've, I, like I said, I mean, I, I feel like I've made it pretty clear. I'm the only person that has to deal with this or live with this decision the rest of my life. So I feel like I am the only person that's, uh, that should make that decision. Again, that coming up a little later on in the show. Full sit down, Elliot Friedman, who jumped on his own private jet, flew to <laughs> Buffalo, wherever the hell that took place, and got it done. Did Buffalo get enough back? Like yesterday, we're talking about Matthew Kachuk, and then it ends up being uh, Alex Tuck, who's hurt. Uh, Krebs, Vegas has now traded away their five first round picks in franchise history. The first five first round picks in franchise history have now been traded by the Vegas Golden Knights, which is unbelievable. Like, I mean, think about this. Just for, for a split second. Like, no one in Canada has won in basically a generation. Mm -hmm. Like, we're, close, we're closing in on way too many. 30 years, 30 right? Years. Yeah. 30, we're closing in on 30 years. Close last year. Vegas walks into the league and they're handed all of this. Like, it's unbelievable. Every superstar that comes out onto the block. Alex Petrelli, yeah, Adam, we're good. Who else? Yeah. I go bring him on over. Got room? Nah, who cares? We'll figure it out. Like, if you're a fan of a Canadian team, and I said this the first year, so this isn't me just saying it now. I've been saying it for years. If you're a fan of a Canadian team and this team just waltzed in, went to the cup final in yeah. its first year and has been handed all of this because people couldn't figure out the expansion draft, you should be pissed. How much it's ridiculous. But how much of that has to do with the fact that they're they're making good trades for good players? Like these, no. those are good trades. Let me let me just say this. If if it was just that, yeah. Seattle would be better than they are right now. But the rest of the NHL figured it out after Vegas did it. Yeah. And held the Seattle Kraken <laughs> accountable. No question. And we're not doing this. No. Uh, I just the one thing I wonder is did Kevin Adams get enough back and I think that he their start was huge for him mm -hmm. and that franchise and to be honest with you there are a lot of great fans in Buffalo and in southern Ontario who support the Sabres and it's a better league when Buffalo is better yeah. and they've been a, a dog's breakfast for a long time. Why not hope for the trade to work out for both sides? No yeah. harm in that, right? Um, we heard about the potential offer that the Calgary Flames may or may not have made yesterday. Do you think that Calgary Flames fans should be disappointed that they didn't get Jack Eichel, considering they were rumored to be the other team involved uh, in on the talks? Oh, not if it was going to cost them Matthew Kachuk, and I don't know if it would have cost them Matthew yeah. Kachuk, and I don't know if Matthew Kachuk's name was actually out there, uh, even though my good friend Kevin Weeks uh, said that he felt like it was his understanding that Kachuk was included. 
Uh, it'll be really interesting if Matthew Kachuk isn't upset by this or it doesn't affect his re-signing next year. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like layers to this onion and only those in Calgary will really know. And maybe uh, we'll talk to Eric Francis there a little go. later on. Maybe Eric we'll, Francis. Ryan Leslie can uh, call him whenever the hell he damn pleases because <laughs> he's a good, fine-looking man. And uh, we'll figure this out over the next little while. But it definitely throws a little bit of a wrinkle into what Calgary is doing moving forward, just that that name got out there. No question about it. Uh, okay, let's move on. And the Edmonton Oilers beat the National Predators 5-2 last night to improve to 8-1 on the season, matching the 85-86 Oilers for the best start in franchise history. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, no surprise, combined for another five points as the Oilers continue to add to their ridiculous offensive totals. What's the most impressive stat? from the Oilers start. I love talking about this. What isn't I love this. the Oilers' most impressive stat? It's so much fun. Uh, they've won eight of nine for just the second time in franchise history and the first time since 1985. That's right. They won five cups when they didn't start this well. They went one of two on the power play last night, a ninth straight game with a goal in the man advantage. They've played nine games this year. The power play marker raised their power play percentage to 46.2% on the year. That's almost 15% better than anyone in the history of the game. Now, there may be some regression here. Leon Dreisaitl, two more goals, three more points. His nine goals tied for the league lead. First dude to have 20 points in his first nine games in the NHL since Mario Lemieux in 2002. McDavid had two points. He's got 19 on the year. He has a 17-game point streak going back to last season. 40 points in those 17 games. And don't besmirch the name of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. His 13 assists lead the league. Leon Connor and RNH are one, two, and three in the NHL in scoring. It's all ridiculous. And I mean that. And that's not hyperbole. The NHL doesn't do this well enough. If Patrick Mahomes were off to a start like this in the NFL, or if Steph Curry in the NBA were off to a start like Leon and Connor are off to it would be shouted from the mountaintops I know it's not like hockey to toot its own horn but given all the ish that they've been dealing with in the last little while they damn well should like what we're seeing from this team every night is mind-blowing even if you hate them it's damn near close to must watch right now I completely agree with you. I mean, we've gone on and on about the greatness of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but uh, is there an element here to, and I don't want to pour cold water on it, but they would desperately like the playoffs to start right now, right? Like, the, if they could choose, they would want the playoffs to yeah, start but they, right but now they don't. And, and be hot but they going don't. into the playoffs. But they don't, and just enjoy it in the meantime. Everyone knows how Oiler fans are going to judge this season. It will be in the playoffs. Same thing with the Leafs. Mm -hmm. But you have to enjoy the 82 games that you play in between that time. You talked about this with the Blue Jays, too. Like it's the it, same thing. Yes, it's the yeah. exact same yeah. thing. And even so, last night, I'm watching that game, and McDavid makes a pass to Hyman. 
I don't know if you saw this pass. There's Dreisaitl's ridiculous one-timer where even when he misses it, he still scores. But did you see the pass from McDavid to Hyman? Connor Ingram made the save, and it was like just the subtle move on the absolute meg, which is a soccer term, through the legs of the defender. But he spins off of, Matt, can we get this like big screen here? So (laughs) I I need to get up and show the spin off of the dude. This is this look at turn, arm out, one hand on the stick, the subtle, just the hezzy. Yeah, like a the little hezzy. hesitation. Yeah. I know I used to use that on breakaway sometimes on a goal. And you know where I learned it? From the old timers. All of this is ridiculous, and it ended up on Connor Ingram's highlight tape. That's all it ended up yeah. with. But just and here and the show. Oh, the hesitation. You know what? But the difference is. No, Sebi. You know what you probably did when you were doing that hesitation? It was because you couldn't stick handle properly. I know that move. (laughs) I know that move. It's like you do the little hezzy because you don't want to go to your backhand and then try to go back and forth. You just do the little hezzy. But he does it. I don't even know who the defenseman was. The defenseman laid his stick down on the ice. And so McDavid's like, oh, I can't get this through his legs. Let me me just adjust the stick position so he has to move it. And then slide it between his legs right on the tape of Hyman. I think like, we should do more of this because McDavid, oh. especially, you have to enjoy the ride. It, 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 you made the point. You got You're watching a generational player here, and, like and Drysaddle might even be generational too. I mean, you, I, I've done this enjoy before, it. where I I make sure, like we did it with Matthews last year on one of his ridiculous snipes, mm-hmm. and people were like accusing me of being some like Toronto Homer or something. Like, I just love the little things in hockey. And that was one of those little things where you're just like, if you don't take the time to enjoy this, yeah. you're missing the point on the game. And King for me, yeah. And for me, like that was crazy. Yeah, amazing. Plenty of hockey coming up uh, later in the show, obviously. We'll go to all the, the rinks featuring Canadian teams tonight. Uh, let's go to basketball. Fred Van Vliet had his best game of the season last night, leading the Raptors with 33 points and a 109-100 win. Over the Washington Wizards, the Raps have now won five straight games and are 4-0 on the road this season. How have they managed to do this, Timmy? I know you called them road warriors in your tweet last night. I have no idea. It's <laughs> so good. I honestly I have this no... This is... The only thing that I can say is that the culture has allowed them to do this. Sid and I had a podcast way back in the day when they hired Dwayne Casey... I saw in his opening day press conference him say that we're going to change the culture. And I said at the time that is the most overused phrase in the history of sports. We're going to change the culture. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Casey came on the podcast with us. I don't know why. It was just some rinky-dink podcast. But he came on and I said, that's the most overused phrase in all of sports. How are you actually going to do it? And he laid out these ideas that he had. And guess what? Over the years, they've done it. And the Raptors have realized that if they work hard, they're smart, and they're organized, that they can win games. And that's what they're doing. They play hard on defense. They give you everything they've got. They're an absolute joy to watch if you're a fan. And this is one of those ones where, listen, the expectations were lowered. So this all feels like icing right now for a lot of Raptor fans. But just think of the franchises that have spent their time in absolute slop, Mm -hmm. right? The Sacramento Kings of the world, the Washington Wizards of the world, where you thought you had talent in and around, and you couldn't do what the Raptors are doing right now with a team that 
experts thought was going to win like 30 games. They always overachieve. And and think of what you're saying and some of the teams that have slugged it out for you. The Knicks up until the last two years Big have basic, basically been 20 years of absolute misery, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Raptors, even when it seems like they're going to walk down a misery road, without the Grote, gone, without Pascal Siakam, and without future Hall of Famer Scotty Barnes for the last two games, keep winning. It's a joy to watch. It it's is a joy to watch. absolute joy to watch. Credit to management and credit to coaching. A lot no of doubt. things that are a joy to watch yeah, right now. It's pretty so good. We're in a good, good headspace here yeah, today. So let's change it and do this next story because I know this is a clock Yes, this is a little bit darker. Yeah. Uh, we will have Kendrick Perkins on a little bit later in the show to talk more about the Raptors. Well, we might talk about this too. Uh, Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver is being accused of racism and misogyny in a report published by ESPN today. In the report, more than 70 current and former Suns 70. employees described a toxic and hostile work environment created by Sarver. Minutes ago, the NBA released a statement saying they have hired a law firm to conduct an investigation and the findings will provide the basis for any league action. Are we looking at Donald Sterling part two here, Tim? Yes, and he will be out. And I think we should have just sent V. Stiviano to Phoenix a couple of years ago and we would have been able to take care of this. We'll talk to Kendrick Perkins coming up because I think this is going to be pretty, if 70 people were willing to talk quick. to ESPN, I think they'll get their findings real quick mm-hmm. and I think love, peace and hair grease to Robert Sarver and uh, don't let it hit you on the way out. <laughs> Still to come, Justin Dunk stops by. He'll discuss the stretch run of the CFL. We go around the rinks, Ottawa, Calgary, Toronto and Montreal. Elliot Friedman's exclusive interview with Jack Eichel. Plus, up next, we continue the Raptors talk. How good can this team be? Kendrick Perkins will join us. Big Perk! Tim and Sid. Oh, I did it again. Ten bucks. Friends. We should up at the 15. Oh, my God. Just take my credit card. I'm not going to do something to myself that I don't believe in. I'm the only person that's lived with this decision the rest of my life. Here's Eichel with a steal. Eichel leaning towards it. And scores! The Eichel Tower drives the wing, cuts to the net. Scotty Barnes turns the corner, goes right at Duarte, and throws it down. Beat me up, Scotty. Achua driving, oh, precious! Raptors win it, and they've now won five in a row. We also saw some guy with a uh, with a jacket. He was flashing his jacket uh, jersey. Don't do that. No, not here. Don't do that. Not in our house. Ever. 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 No. No. Great to be back at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. Scotty Barnes turns the corner, goes right at Duarte, and throws it down. Beat me up, Scotty. Confidence just keeps rising. The Toronto Raptors pick up their first home victory. Barnes and Suggs, it's a friendly rivalry. Running the floor. The by Scotty Barnes. Gary Trent Jr. goes for the steal. Pokes it away. Anthony. season. Raptors looking to win their third in a row. Scotty making a move. He is so good. Back over to Fred on time. Freddy time. Raptors a big win. They've won three in a row now. OG! Oh my! How great was OG Ananobi? 
you are watching a young man take a next step. He's a great player, terrific player. He came out, he set the tone for us, and he helped us and willed us to the win today. Achua driving home! Precious! That'll get you going! Fred attacking, lays it up and in, he's got 32. Raptors win it, and they've now won five in a row. I have no idea what in the good name of Alfonso McKinney is going on with this team right now. Five in a row after a one and three start in that first game of the season where everyone was just ready to hop off that bandwagon yeah. of the Toronto Raptors. Here to help me figure it out is one of my favorites in the business. Uh, he's He started with us and he was just a former NBA player trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents <laughs> and now look at him. Big Perk is everywhere. Kendrick Perkins, welcome back to the show, homie. Good to see you. Tim, my good friend. What's going on, my brother? Thanks uh, for having me on. You hey. know it's always a pleasure. Anytime you want to come on this show, you are damn well welcome. And listen, like, normally I'm really upset at the national media in the United States of America because they never watch enough Toronto Raptors. You are not one of those dudes. You have never been surprised by what Kyle Lowry's going to do in Miami. Never been surprised about how good the Raptors are. How do you explain when you lose Perk? The greatest Raptor of all time in Kyle Lowry. Pascal Siakam, an all-star, is out of the lineup. This is a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. There was supposed to be a regression here, and they're 6-3 and three and won five in a row, 4-0 and oh on the road. Like, can you explain what's going on here? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a lot of things to, to, to unravel, right? But the one thing that we got to talk about is culture. And with culture, you got to have vision. And right, who has? has vision beside you jury right shout out to Masai you jury shout out to nick nurse for having a vision to, for having a vision to say okay we're gonna trade the greatest raptor of all time and kyle larry because we have faith in the undrafted player in fred van bleak to be the leader of this team yeah. you know we're gonna have the vision to draft Scotty Bonds in the offseason, right, and not take Jalen Suggs, who everybody thought that the Raptors was going to take because we see the vision, right? We see the potential. And so what ended up happening is you have this young squad along with, you know, with Fred Van Bleek, Scotty Bonds, OG, you know, uh, Pachu, uh, uh Precious, and then you have this young squad, and not all these pieces are working well together, right? And so you got to have a vision, you got to have belief, and that's exactly what Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse have, have in these young guys, and they and they're stepping up, including Fred VanVleet. I mean, he's not just old, but you know, he's not he's not young either, but he's kind of in between. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He's the veteran of this squad at 27 years Crazy. old, which is. Crazy. I mean, if if Goran Dragic were traded right now, which we might see in the near future, this would be the second youngest team in the NBA to OKC, who's basically just draft picks. But it's it's so funny that you said cult. I was on the Raptors show uh, with Will Lou earlier on today on Sportsnet mm-hmm. 590 The Fan. You can get you wherever you get your podcast. And they asked me, you know what the first word out of my mouth was? Culture. The exact same Coach. thing that you said. And to me. That's so easy to say, Perk, but so hard to actually pull off. Like, it seems as though the Raptors have got this mindset that we're going to draft tough, hard-nosed, 
guys who play defense and guys who have basketball IQ, who are very cerebral and smart. And, and that, to me, Perk, is kind of the definition of this team because it's one thing, you know, to be able to say that you're a 6-3 and three team or, you know, to be able to move pieces in and out. But guys got to understand roles. Like, guys got to be able – like, Kem Birch comes off the bench and he's a plus 20. Like, it's, it's very hard to actually pull that off, isn't it? It, it is very hard, but I go back to the point of vision, right? Like, yeah. and Masai Ujiri, he gets it. Like, when you have a, a, a two athletic wings slash forwards slash power forwards and, and OG and Ginobi and, and, and Scotty Barnes, then you have what you really need to, to build a foundation, right? Mm-hmm. I always say the wing position is hard to find good wings that are going to play both ends of the floor. And both of those guys do. They provide great length. They provide yeah. great athleticism. They provide great rebounding. They do all the things that uh, that you're supposed to do at that wing slash, you know, power forward position. And now you put in Fred Van Vliet, right, who is the definition of culture, a guy that you want your young guys to look up to because yeah. he, he's going to represent hard work. He's going to represent dedication, and he's going to represent sacrifice. And that's exactly what he do. And then you take up Nick Nurse and what he brings to the table. See, I don't want this to go unnoticed. What Nick Nurse brings to the table, his exceptional coaching, the way he put guys in position to be successful, right now you got to tip your hats off to not only the guys that – that are stepping out there on that floor, but the whole organization. Because, again, they're doing this without Siakam. Yeah, crazy. All right, so from the Raptors who are overachieving to the Boston Celtics, and Marcus Smart speaks out earlier this week saying uh, basically that it goes through Tatum and it goes through Jalen Brown and nobody's passing. What, What do you make of this and can they rebound from it? You know what? They can rebound from it. But, uh, you know, I didn't agree with Marcus Smart comments. Uh, One, I didn't like that he went public with it. Two, the ball's supposed to be in Jason Tatum's hand and Jalen Brown's hands. Like, these are the guys that get paid the big bucks. And Marcus Smart has to be careful about what he says when it comes to speaking to the public. Because remember, you have a group of young guys that's on that bench that looks up to everybody else and leaning for some type of leadership and direction. So you got to be careful about what you say. Now, when it comes down to the Boston Celtics, right, and we look at them, you know, beating Orlando Magic and people, you know, not overreacting was a good thing because that's not saying too much. And what I say is, is that we need to see a, a consistency through Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and everybody else on that team and get them back to where they're supposed to be and hold them to high standards. So, you know, I don't agree with Marcus Smart's statement. I think the Celtics can rebuild because one thing we know about Jalen Brown especially, and I harp on him, he's a professional. He's one of the best professionals that that is in our league today. When it comes to taking constructive criticism, mm. uh, when it comes to bouncing back, uh, you remember the coach called him out in the media and he bounced back like, you know, like he he, he had left some. He came back like he had left some the following game. So when you look at Jalen Brown and look at what he does off the court as well, his leadership yeah. skills, is no doubt in my mind that this Celtic team could rebound. 
Uh, and those are big words coming from Big Perk. Uh, before I let you go, I just got to get your reaction to the story that broke on ESPN earlier today about Robert Sarver. We talked about it in the last segment, and I just said, like, this is the end. This has to be the end for him. You agree? I do agree. Yeah. And, and right before I came on, I saw that uh, Woj had tweeted out that, you know, the league is 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 running a, a, a further investigation. investigation. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, it's no place for this, right? You're looking at a, a, a league that's about, what, 85 to 90 percent African-Americans, and you cannot have white owners, you know, saying or, or be accused of saying it. Look, 70 people are not lying, okay, Tim? <laughs> like, you could get away yeah. with trying to go against five, maybe 10, but 70 people coming out and saying something, you know, if 70 people are saying it, then it got to be true. And I, I think Adam Silver would do would do what's best. I feel like he's the best commissioner in sports, and I feel like he will make sure he do the right thing, just like when he had to handle the situation with the Clippers. Right. We should have sent V. Stiviano to Phoenix a couple of years ago. This would have been taken care of in a hurry. Uh, can I quote? Right. Can I quote Kendrick Perkins and just tell Robert Sarver to carry the hell on? Like, yeah, right. sell the team and carry the hell on, my yeah, friend. Not carry on, carry the hell on. <laughs> uh, big Perk, always great catching up with you. Thank you for doing this and continued success, my dude. You too, my brother. Thank you. All right, there is Kendrick Perkins joining us from his home in Houston. Time for a break. When we come back, it rolls on, my friends. Jack Eichel heading to Vegas. He sat down for an exclusive interview with our own Elliot Friedman. We'll debut that fascinating conversation next, right here on Tim and Friends, across the Sportsnet family of channels. Welcome back. The Boost National underway in Chestermere, Alberta. Draw 12 coming up on Sportsnet West, Sportsnet 1, 6 p.m. Eastern for Mountain Time. And we here at Tim and Friends wanted to get into the hurry hard spirit. So we're giving away an event jacket signed by the athletes, including Team Gushu and Homan, two of the biggest teams in all of curling, signed a jacket for us and we're giving it give it away all you need to do is use the hashtag Tim curls on a tweet and include your best curling pitcher playing watching whatever holding a broom in your hand and we will choose a winner on tomorrow's show so tweet in stay tuned hashtag Tim curls and we will give away this jacket in between draws tomorrow right here on Tim and Friends. So we're getting into the curling spirit and Jack Eichel wanted to hurry hard out of Buffalo. He got his wish. They shipped him to Vegas in a deal that was made official earlier today. Our own Elliot Friedman had the chance to sit down with Eichel in an exclusive one-on-one -on -one interview to discuss his split with the Sabres and to look ahead. Here's the first look at that full conversation. Big saga in Buffalo is Jack Eichel. Man, that's just been a tough situation in Buffalo. It's an absolute mess. There are some teams interested in Jack Eichel that will let him have the surgery he wants. It's been a long saga for sure. I remember when you were drafted. This is one of the greatest markets in the NHL. It should have worked. Yeah. Where did it go sideways? You know, I was hearing a lot of things that we were going to try and, uh, you know, try and do a rebuild or so, you know, I, I I went to the team and just said I wasn't really happy with uh, 
with the idea of that and that if that's the route they wanted to take that uh, that maybe it would be better to move me and obviously that didn't go over well I wanted to just stand up for what I believed in more than anything and and um, you know there was disagreements and it's understood but uh, I think we uh, you know we finally got past that at the end of last week we heard it was supposed to happen yeah take us through Wednesday night so I got the call last night um, like 11:30. I spoke to Kevin Adams first and then uh, after I spoke to him then I spoke to Kelly McCrimmon in, in Vegas. So you get that call. First of all, how did the call go with the Sabres and Kevin Adams? It was good. I think that, you know, there's, there's respect, uh, you know, between, um, you know, me and, and, uh, and Kevin. We knew that, uh, you know, something needed to happen. And, and you know, I appreciate him, uh, you know, him giving me the opportunity to go somewhere and, and get my preferred surgery and, and just try and, uh, you know, get my career, uh, career back where it needs to be. The biggest story about your situation is the medical story. And we all know the Sabres wanted you to have a spinal fusion and you wanted to try the disc replacement. Why did you decide that that was the way to go for you? I understand the, the complications to it with uh, our, our CBA and, and the Sabres rights. And, um, but I also thought that uh, you know, this is my body and at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to live with this decision the rest of my life. Does anyone ever tell you, Jack, like, I, I don't think this is a good idea? Of all the doctors that uh, I saw outside of, uh, of the team, uh, they were all on board with what I was doing. Did you understand Buffalo's opinion? I don't, I'm not going to get into that. If I hadn't been traded last night, that that the question would have went differently. There's no CBA now, new one for five more years. What happened with you is going to be at the forefront of the next negotiations. What do you think should happen with this? Isn't it a constitutional right? I mean you should have the right to your body. Uh, and that's sort of what I stood by throughout this process is, uh, I'm not gonna do something to myself that I don't believe in. Uh, I'm not gonna get a surgery I don't believe in. Uh, I've, I, like I said, I mean, I've, I feel like I've made it pretty clear. I'm the only person that has to deal with this or live with this decision the rest of my life. So I feel like I am the only person that's, uh, that should make that decision. So what's the timeline now? What happens now? Just go get surgery, uh, start rehabbing and, and, uh, and get back on the ice, get back to uh, doing what I, what I love to do. You do think you're gonna play in the regular yeah. season? Yeah. Okay, yeah. do you have like a target date or anything like uh, that? They say the recovery for full, uh, you know, full return to play is about three months. So. And you're hoping to get the surgery next week? Hoping to get it as soon as possible, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was there anywhere else you thought you were going to be traded to? Was there any point where you said, okay, I'm going to be a blank? You know, for a while I thought, uh, you know, maybe I was going to Minnesota. And then, um, you know, there was even a small, uh, there, was a, there was a short time where I was like, wow, I really think it's a possibility I'm going to go to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, that seemed like it could have gotten done. You know, I'm sure a lot of guys in the league are sick of hearing about this story and Listen, nobody's more sick of this story than me. Like, there's nothing I want more than for this to just go away. And I just can't wait to, to be a hockey player again. And I can't say enough good things about the Vegas Golden Knights for giving me this opportunity. And, you know, I owe a lot to them right now. And I just can't wait to get to work. Okay, let's imagine it. You have your surgery. You're healthy. You're ready to play. The lights go down in Vegas. The drummers come out. <laughs> the light show starts. You're wearing a golden helmet. 
<laughs> you come out of the tunnel. Yeah. What's that going to be like? It's an incredible atmosphere. Um, you know, everyone in, everyone in the world talks about it. So I'm just really looking forward to, to being a part of that organization and just getting to play hockey again and doing what I love. I'm really excited for that moment. I think so is Vegas. There is Elliot Friedman and Jack Eichel. I know a lot of people are drawn to the part where he says, I might have gone to Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Ridiculous. lot in there. Uh, but I think that this fresh start was needed for a lot of people. There's no question about that. Um, obviously, the, the injury and the surgery played a big role, but so did the not winning part of it. Like, did that bother you? That it, like, there is some semblance of like a star player trying to force his way out of a market here. Like, we have to be realistic about that too. They weren't winning. And he was like, I'm tired. He said it there he didn't like the not winning part of it. Yeah. So I, that, I found that pretty interesting. But he had been pretty honest about that the entire way like yeah. how many times do you see him in a postseason you know either by the locker or scrum it's hard it wears on you over time yeah like sure. he I just understand. wasn't happy with it and they weren't getting better now how much you put on him and how much you put on the team yeah. i think is where your debate begins. everyone reaches a, a breaking point at some point yeah. yes all right time for a break for us a reminder draw 11 from the boost nationals coming up after the break on sportsnet west as well over on Sportsnet One. So if you want to flick over, I won't hold it against you. But remember, hashtag Tim Curls. As for us, we roll on with a trip around the NHL ring. Stops in Ottawa, Calgary, Toronto, and Montreal as we set up a busy night in the NHL and continue to react, react to the Eichel deal right here on Tim and Friends. React Eichel deal. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Said during the commercial break here on Tim and Friends, Nick Nurse might be the best coach in the NBA. Fight me. Back here for hour number two facts. on Tim and Friends. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, look you at his body of work. Facts. Yeah. In the Oof. conversation, but yeah. Oof. He was 40 to 1. I told, just told you this. He was 40 to 1 last night for coach of the year. Yeah. After the Wizards game. It was down to 22 to 1 an hour later. <laughs> 22 to 1. Like he's going to be in the running again. Yeah, he is. He is. He might be the best coach in the NBA yes. with what he's doing with this group and what they're missing. Anyways, full hour, Sportsnet 360. 30 more minutes coming up on Sportsnet. And we've got some hockey ahead of Hockey Central. That's right. Big news of the day. Jack Eichel has been traded from Buffalo to Vegas. If you hadn't heard, Eichel had spent his entire career in Buffalo since being drafted second overall after Connor McDavid in 2015. He has 139 goals, 216 assists, and 375 games. Do the math. Never been to the playoffs, though. The trade ends a long standoff with the Sabres and their handling of his herniated disc. In return for Eichel, the Sabres get forwards Alec Tuck and Peyton Krebs, a top 10 protected first round pick, which is key in this next year's draft and a second round pick in 2023. Golden Knights also get a Sabres third round pick in 2023. Buffalo not retaining any of Eichel's $10 million salary. Sabres GM Kevin Adams excuse me, spoke about the deal and the relationship with Eichel earlier today. It was a frustration for him and it all built over, over time. And um, 
you know, and that's where he got to. So that I don't know exactly. And you don't want to put words in his mouth of why it didn't work per se, but um, things happen for a reason. And I was very clear to him that we need to build this organization with people that are, that are dying to be Buffalo Sabres that care um, so much about that Jersey they're going to put on. And that's how we have to move forward. So um, it's not personal. I wish him the best. I really do. Uh, I think he's in a really good spot. Um, and I think we got a really, really good um, return in a really challenging situation that we can move forward with in our organization. It's the wrong place to chuckle. Kevin Adams. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough little so chuckle. I don't know what happened there. There might have been someone behind the camera. <sighs> might have been something that popped up on the screen that made him chuckle. But when you're talking about the return, return and you laugh. It was funny. Ha ha. It was good. Huh? <laughs> All right, so Jack Eichel is off to Vegas. The Golden Knights GM Kelly McCrimmon confirmed today that Eichel will have surgery on his neck. He will be out three to five months. Golden Knights are in Ottawa for a game tonight. And thankfully, so is our own Kyle Bukoskis, who is there to get reaction today. Kyle, safe to say, Golden Knights uh, a, a wee bit thrilled? <laughs> Yeah, so Tim, Shane Knighty, who once upon a time was a member of the Ottawa Senators, now a Vegas Golden Knights broadcaster, I think he may have had the best line here this morning when he said, you know, the Eichel deal was like getting a bike for Christmas, but you can't use it till the summertime until the weather's half decent. You know, this is a Vegas team who a lot of people would already consider to be a Stanley Cup contender when healthy, and now they have gone out and done something that they've done a few times in their brief history yeah. in the NHL, and that's give up, you know, a hefty price for a player they believe can help them here in the short term knowing full well that best case scenario Eichel won't be available to them in the lineup to at least three months from now but despite all of that here is GM Kelly McCrimmon earlier this morning saying why it was worth giving up all of that to acquire the second overall pick from the 2015 draft we weren't in the market necessarily for another centerman uh, in fact we were not in the market for another centerman but this isn't just another centerman. There's only a handful of, of guys in the world with game-breaking ability when the game gets tight that they can create uh, something out of nothing. And, you know, there, there's only a handful of guys that, that have that type of skill. And, you know, he's one of them. He's on that short list. And so just on the surgery, you know, McCrimmon did confirm today that Eichel will have that artificial disc replacement surgery, the one that he has wanted and one that, you know, led to a pretty serious point of contention between Eichel's camp and the Sabres and why it's dragged on, a big reason why it's dragged on as long as it has. And I just thought it was interesting listening to McCrimmon talk about, and he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but why wouldn't Jack's people want what's best for him? We're going to respect their decision. You know, the team clearly backs their newly acquired player here. Makes sense to me. It's not the first time, though, there's been big news with Vegas and Ottawa, is it? No, so the last time they were here, January of 2020, which feels like a lifetime ago, it was the day before they had uh, fired Gerard Gallant and replaced him with Peter DeBoer. So here in Ottawa was DeBoer's first game behind the bench with the Golden Knights. And apparently on the uh, Vegas team playing Tuesday night as they were all getting on the charter to head uh, here from Toronto, and the rumors were swirling that Vegas were one of the teams in the mix here for Jack, somebody made the comment, you know, we're headed back to Ottawa. We realize what that means, right? There's an omen. Something big has to be happening to the organization, and sure enough, here we are.
Lo and behold, it ends up being Jack Eichel. I uh, wish we could have some more time to talk about the Sens and how they need to keep the puck out of the net. Uh, we'll save that for another day. Thank you for doing this, Kyle. Appreciate it. Plenty of times to talk about that throughout the year, I'm sure, Tim. Yeah, Thanks, well, man. Yeah, a few times. There is uh, Kyle Bukasa's Internation's capital. Let's head off to Calgary now. And the Flames had been rumored to be a finalist in this Jack Eichel sweepstakes in a package, perhaps or perhaps not, including Matthew Kuchuk. It was at least floated out there by the NHL Network's Kevin Weeks yesterday with more on the Flames and Eichel. Let's head to Calgary and, Ale and Eric Francis. Eric, how close do you think the Flames were to actually landing Eichel? Well, I think they finished top two. I don't know if that counts for anything. Uh, you know, in terms of just how close they were, you know, Brad Trilliving doesn't want to talk about this. Uh, but I can tell you that I talked to several sources, and, and, and you don't really know how close you were uh, because, you know, they never had a concrete uh, back and forth just on what, you know, Vegas was accepted would have accepted. So they don't know how close they were. They were finished second, which means nothing. And so the Flames move on. So... Obviously, the big story in Calgary is whether or not Matthew Kachuk was in play. From what you're hearing, was Matthew Kachuk's name in play? Yeah, absolutely not, from, from what I'm hearing. And I know there are several people within the organization who I spoke to today. They're, they're pretty upset at the fact that that got floated out. And they don't think that it's a coincidence that the gentleman who floated out, Kevin Weeks, very well-connected uh, NHL personality, uh, was a teammate of Kevin Adams for three years in Carolina. And that's not lost on them. And they think that that was something that was thrown out at the 11th hour to try and spur Vegas on to up their ante even more to get it across the finish line and complete the trade. Hey, all's fair and love war and NHL swaps. I get it. But it did, it definitely left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Not, not Matthew Kachuk. He said he never really believed it in the first place. And I can tell you that Brad Treliving did call Matthew Kachuk last night after he heard about the report and said this is not true. So you move on. I don't think there's any hard feelings. I think everyone can see how that tweet came to be because it was the only person who reported that Kachuk was reportedly part of this deal. Yeah, Brad Treliving may have been watching Tim and Friends yeah. yesterday <laughs> before he picked up the phone. Call Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Flames playing some good hockey, though, hosting the Stars tonight. I just got to ask you, like, what's your biggest surprise with this Flames early going, you know, besides the record? Uh, to be honest, the biggest surprise is just how complete a game they're playing right now. I, I think you, they knew that they were going to have good goaltending. They knew they were going to play a defensive style of hockey and a disciplined style under Daryl Sutter and a tenacious style. But I'm not sure they thought they were going to get as many goals and scoring chances as they've been able to manage. And I'm definitely sure that nobody expected this defense to rebound and play as well as it has without Mark Giordano and not a significant replacement in sight. So they're doing it by committee. This entire team has bought into Daryl Sutter's mantra, his game plan, and it's working to a T. They're really playing great hockey right now. Hey, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Great catching up with you. Enjoy the game tonight. You too, Timmy. Cheers, my man. Eric Francis joining us from Calgary. Next up, as we continue on our journey fun, yeah. down the road to Scotiabank Arena, Jesse, after a shaky start to the season, the Leafs have won three straight, coming off maybe their best effort of the season, although it was a depleted Vegas squad. But competition about to get tougher. Tampa Bay Lightning in town tonight. Sean McKenzie standing by. Sean, does it feel like a little tension has been lifted in that Leafs room? <laughs> 
Yeah, for the first time in a long time, it feels like this is a Maple Leafs team that is playing light. They are playing loose, and they don't have Leafs Nation breathing down their neck wondering, is this another team that's going to break our hearts once again? And it, all is good, at least for now. But the biggest impact I think it's had is not on the group as a whole, but specifically on individuals, and even more specifically on Mitch Marner. You go back to that game right before they played the Chicago Blackhawks in Chicago, and it was just tense, and it just felt like a bad game or another bad loss was really going to set things off. And I'm sure the weight of the world was on Mitch Marner. He hadn't been performing up to his standards. He hadn't had a goal. Then you fast forward to the end of the game where he helps assist on that John Tavares goal and really just has a, a true Mitch Marner-like performance. And he was bouncing around after his energy was high. He goes into the against the Detroit Red Wings here at Scotiabank Arena. He scores. Then he has that unbelievable goal against Vegas. So it feels like he really is playing light and playing loose. And that's what he told us. He said he wasn't really focusing on the negative in the last few days and all but admitted that he was feeling a lot of that negativity but he's put that behind him and right now he just looks like he's playing some very very good hockey and tonight's a bit of, of an interesting game because they said it's a measuring stick and I think everyone says that all the time when you take on the defending champs I think it might be a kind of a temperature gauge where all is calm for now but it wasn't long ago just three games in fact oh. that everyone was panicking and saying well this Maple Leafs team they aren't that good they can't play with those top teams like the Carolina Hurricanes and I think this game will really settle things down if they go out and have a strong really impressive performance against the Lightning. Yeah it kind of feels like okay you did it against Detroit Vegas completely banged up this feels like if you can do it against Tampa now we'll start to let that bandwagon roll a little bit. Yeah, and that's the thing is the two wins against Detroit and Chicago were good, but even the Leafs admit that it was not their best performance. They weren't happy yeah. with the way they played. They were really happy with the way they played against Vegas, and they thought that was their you know, top level almost. And, you know, that was what a Toronto Maple Leaf style game looks like. Austin Matthews scoring on a signature shot, Mitch Marner just dancing all over the ice. So I think the consistency is what they're looking for. I think the consistency is what the fans are looking for. I, I don't think they have to come out tonight and, and smash the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-1 to prove that they're once again cup contenders, but I think they just have to play that Maple Leaf style of game that we saw against Vegas. Sheldon Keefe kind of been shuffling the lineup. Uh, guys coming in, guys coming out. Who's been the biggest surprise to you over the last little while? I think Timothy Lilligren has, has been the big surprise. He's he, He's been a guy that's been trying to crack this Maple Leafs lineup for a long time and he just had guys in front of him that kept stealing that opportunity stealing that opportunity ended up with the Toronto Marlies but here he is again and, and he's benefiting from what is a tough situation for the Maple Leafs that Justin Hall is not playing up to his level but that's what you need for a team like the Maple Leafs is you need when you don't have Hall playing quite to his level you need a guy like Timothy Lilligren to slide in and be able to take on that burden and him and Rasmus Sandin just seem like they've been playing together for years maybe it's because they have been with the Toronto Marlies but I think I think that's a big surprise and Sheldon Keefe made it clear today that you know Justin Hall will get back into the lineup it's only a matter of time they know he'll get back to that level that he was at last season but why would you put him in right now when you've seen what Timothy Lilligren can do you're coming off three straight wins and you like what that decor looks like although Travis Dermott they did say will be a game time decision after blocking a shot a few days ago so we'll see exactly what that decor looks like. I got one more for you before I let you go, Sean McKenzie, and it seems like obviously defense and goaltending will be a key. Listen, Mitch Marner wasn't going to be held to 40 points in the year. Austin Matthews wasn't going to be held to 15 goals in the year. They were going to get going. Does it seem like, and listen, we haven't had a big sample size for Peter Morazic, but does it seem like the Leafs are settling down on the back end, which includes Morazic and Campbell? I think so, and this is the thing is it's understandable that 
people were panicking, upset, or even indifferent to what we were seeing for the last few weeks from the Maple Leafs when they were in that little mini slide. Because this is a team that has broken the hearts of Leafs fans year after year. So it feels like that benefit of the doubt might be gone, where they say, hey, look, there's still potential, we'll get there. But I think what people also forget is last year, this was a Leafs decor, and this was a Leafs, you know, even forward core and goaltending that really locked things down. And it wasn't the wide open, trying to win a 7-6 style of team that we saw in the past with the Maple Leafs. It was a team that really did lock things down. Obviously, come playoff time, they didn't get the result. But I think this is a group that knows how to play better defensively than in years past. Uh, I We haven't really seen it outside of maybe a couple games in preseason yeah. where they did look really, really good. So I think uh, that, that's what I think tonight is the real true test where, you know, can you do it twice in a row? Can you do it three times in a row? And they did do that last season. So they're just trying to find that game that we saw last season. And uh, will it come against Tampa? We'll find out soon. Uh, listen, I know that line of autograph seekers waiting behind the camera for you has been patient, <laughs> patient, patient. So I will let them get to their Sean McKenzie. Thanks for doing this, buddy. This is actually just a line of people to throw insults at me. Don't, <laughs> just don't think otherwise. Just hurl insults? Yeah, no, different line. Yeah, they, they've been waiting here for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate it as always, buddy. Enjoy the game tonight. Gentlemen, thank you. Uh, there is Sean McKenzie at Scotiabank Arena. Now, we promised uh, Eric Engels as well stopping in in Montreal. We're having some audio difficulties with him right now. We'll get him after the break. Jesse, you gave me the eyes as if you had something there. No, but I, I, I just was going to wonder from, from Sean. Remember we used to talk to him in the summer. He was in Vegas. It was like 48 degrees Celsius. Yeah. And now he's wearing a jacket. Yeah. yeah. Now he's wearing a jacket. And I, you know, I just wanted to know, like, what is it like to be outside in, like, real weather? Toughen it, toughen it out in that, he is, like, he plus three? Yes, plus three. <laughs> he looked cold, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, looked a little colder than he did in Vegas. What's the matter with you? Do you? Have you lived in any other city besides Toronto in your life? I'm just saying. Go yeah. ask Francis that in Calgary. Yeah, or, right. God forbid, Gino in Edmonton. It's a little chilly up there. All right, listen, we're going to take the break. We'll come back. We'll try and get angles on here. If not, uh, we'll figure it out.com. Tim and Friends continues. Some Habs talk next. So much for Montreal. We are having technical difficulties with Eric Engels and are unable to get him on the show at this juncture in time. However, we are efforting to get news that he said that he may or may not have Intriguing. in the next little while. So hopefully you'll stick around for that and we'll be able to get it to you a little later on in the show. Speaking of news, it seems as though we have some confirmation on a thought around the NHLPA and their response to Kyle Beach. Basically, the NHLPA executive board has voted in favor of the resolution directing an independent review of the association's response with respect to Kyle Beach. And I don't think, Timmy, this is anything that's much of a surprise. It seems like uh, sort of an obvious issue, and not just with the NHLPA portion of this investigation, but I think this goes further into all investigations as it pertains to the National Hockey League. Why are we at a point where there isn't an independent review from a third party for all issues of this, whether it's the NHLPA or the NHL? It seems like such a common sense solution to something like this, yet we have seen it, I don't know the status of the other leagues, but let's just make it happen. Or just a third party independent review of situations like this that's available 24-7 and on retainer so that players don't have to go through vested interests when something like this comes about. And I, I think that, you know, listen, 
Wayne Simmons spoke up yesterday and he said that, you know, someone asked him basically if it had shooken his confidence in the NHLPA and mm -hmm. he said yes. And I think that that should resonate with a lot of NHL players and a lot of people in and around the NHL. That a, a stand-up guy like Wayne Simmons felt like the NHLPA let one of its members down. Yeah. And that the NHL community let one of its players down. And there are a lot of issues in a lot of different leagues in a lot of different places on planet Earth that I think would be better served by simply having someone who is outside having vest, and when I say vested interest, I just mean someone whose money is in the game. Mm -hmm. Someone whose money is going to be affected by whatever comes out in these situations and make it completely and utterly independent, which is what Billie Jean King said when right. she read the news. Right, so okay, we have the situation today with Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns. And we learned no less than an hour ago that the NBA is planning on launching an investigation into the Robert Sarver situation. Correct. Why is that not an independent review? The NBA is Adam Silver's job. His job is to protect the brand in the yeah. NBA. And the brand consists of all of the owners in the NBA, Robert Sarver being one of those owners. Yeah, yeah. you can say, you can use language and you can uh, sort of pawn it off to other people to do the investigation for you, but those people are still involved with the NBA. Yeah. So this is going to be yet another situation here, it seems like, where the NBA, the league that is involved in this situation, is going to be doing the investigation. And whether or not uh, the findings that they have are going to be legitimate, I'm sure they are going to be legitimate, but it's about the optics in this yeah, I, think, right? I think Adam Silver has a little bit more leeway because he looked into the Donald Sterling situation yeah. and he was Handled out it. really yes. quick. And the group that he has brought in to, um, or at least the NBA has brought in to perform this investigation was also the one that worked on the Tim Donaghy story, which was not in any way, shape, or form flattering to the NBA. So I feel like they have a little bit more leeway on this, but why not? Yeah. Right. Like I think I think what happens is, you know, um, there's an idea that when you name the person in charge of the investigation, you hope that their integrity would carry it. But I think we've gotten to the point where why not just separate it? Listen, all four leagues could put their money into a pot and have one person represent a completely independent organization yeah. that. I mean, I guess if they're putting their money into the pot, then it's not completely independent. But there could be a pool of money that goes and says, this is what this is for. And this is for our players to make sure that they work in, in uh, a good working environment. And obviously, that's not the case. And a lot of people right now are feeling the wrath of toxic workplaces. No question. Um, what Wayne Simmons had to say yesterday, I think, underscores the importance of, of this investigation and what it might mean for Donald Fear's future leading the NHLPA because you can't have uh, an executive team whose job is to protect the players in that league. You can't have someone who the players don't have confidence in. So that's going to be uh, 
bit of a spicy situation there. Why are you why are you laughing? I shouldn't be laughing in these stories, but Josiah Johnson, who is unbelievable the on Twitter. The meme master. Yeah. The meme master just put this out. And we could take it. Donald Sterling waiting for Robert Sarver and white privilege purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, it's from Titanic. And, you know, listen, uh, a lot of people might think that Donald Sterling got uh, a, a tough, a raw, he got $2 billion when he mm -hmm. sold the team. So I think uh, better hands he might now. end up in a decent Pretty spot. cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right, we said we would catch up with uh, Eric Engels in Montreal. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but he did uh, send something our way. Nice. Here's the latest from Montreal and our good friend Eric Engels. Thanks, guys. Just some technical difficulties here at the Bell Centre, but did want to touch base with you to confirm that Carey Price will return to his family this weekend. Either Saturday or Sunday, they'll be reunited. As far as when he returns to the Canadians, that much is up in the air for now. The hope is that it will be soon, certainly with Dominic Ducharme and the Canadians are hoping for. He instills so much confidence in his teammates, and just his presence alone will help. It's probably going to take him a couple weeks before he takes his net back, but the good news is he's only spending the minimum 30 days in the program. Dominic Ducharme said earlier this week that was the expectation. Now we have it confirmed, and I hope that's good news for Carey Price. Back to you, Tim. Time for a break. We're going to send it to Hockey Central on Sportsnet. Carolyn Cameron, Sam Cosentino, Anthony Stewart, all standing by with the absolute latest on Eichel and four Canadian teams on the ice tonight. As for us, we'll continue on Sportsnet 360. Justin Dung stops by the studio. We'll talk some CFL. Aaron Rodgers next in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360. Welcome back. Week 14 in the CFL is upon us. Two games, Friday, two games. Saturday as we hit the stretch run to the postseason. Just over three weeks away. Lions and Ticats. Lions and Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Start the week off, followed by the Riders against the lowly Elks. Saturday, East leading Argos in Ottawa to face the Red Blacks, while the Owls are in Winnipeg to face the 10-1. and Winnipeg Blue Bombers joining me in studio to talk a little football and a segment he likes to call Dink and Dunk. <laughs> Love it. I just sit here and say it because it makes him laugh every time. How are you, Justin Dunk? Giggle man. Do well, Timmy. Good to be with you, buddy. Uh, good to have you here. So I got to start in the East because I'm not sure I believe the standings. Are the Toronto Argonauts the best <laughs> team in the East heading into this very important weekend? They are so far. I mean, the record says it, but overall, we're going to find out as we go down the stretch here because those tie cats are humming, as the Arkells would say. So I feel like there's lots to be determined. Montreal Alouettes, too. We're going to see Trevor Harris get his first start mm -hmm. for the Birds. So I think that the East, to be honest, is wide open. And get the Argos are at the top, but still lots to be decided. Yeah, obviously, this is wide open, and obviously, it's a three team, three horse race. Um, when all is said and done, I feel like the tie cats and the Argos are the cream of the crop. Am I disrespecting the Alouettes? I think a little bit, to yeah. be quite honest, man. Yeah. yeah, I didn't think that they would necessarily be in this position to be disrespected by you, let's say. But <laughs> I think overall, yeah. this team has performed beyond expectations than people thought. And if Harris gets hot, and he looked good last week in limited action, right. then they could be right in the mix, right? Harris has experience beating the Ticats in the playoffs But that's so previously. tough to walk into a new city as the quarterback 
and lead your team with like such little runway. Yeah, it's difficult. We've seen guys do it, right? So Crazy maybe, stuff may, happens. Maybe in, in the end, I'm disrespecting Harris, and I got to give him a little bit more credit for the ability to walk into a new city and a new franchise and lead the way. Yeah, and Kahari Jones, too. I think that's part of the key. Yeah, and that helps. Uh, all right, so if I'm disrespecting the ability of the Montreal Alouettes to perhaps win the East, uh, talk about people disrespecting the CFL because I know that you talked Ooh. to Cody Fajardo and felt like there were a few folks disrespecting the league. Yeah, Fajardo feels like the reason for entertainment being down, you like to call it edutainment. It's not really been that in the CFL either way you slice it. And points are down overall in the league. But he feels like the reason that offenses aren't performing at a higher level is because of the year off. He doesn't feel like any rule tweaks need to happen in the CFL whatsoever. He loves the game. You know, he's a California kid and makes his offseason home in Reno, Nevada. But he's really taken to the CFL, loves the game, and says that those around him, now they're obviously biased, feel like the CFL is actually more entertaining than the NFL. But the stats, I think, recently would say otherwise. If you look at it, Timmy, we've had nearly a 10-point drop yeah. since 2017 in points per game in the CFL. Everyone up here, and, you know, I was one of them, likes to say that the CFL is more wide open. It's offensive. We have these high-scoring barn burners. But it's gone the other way, and the NFL has taken that crown, let's say, right now. Do you know why? Like, do you have theories as to, like, it used to be that, the CFL ran this wide open offense and then basically all the things that worked in the CFL from RPO uh, to little hitch screens to employing real good slot players has now become a fixture in the NFL. One of my most impassioned um, monologues on this show was about why I love the CFL and why we needed to make sure that it was healthy moving on to the future. And a lot of the reasons why was because of all of the offensive innovations that have been taken down south. Do you think that's what it is, is that the NFL has now just adopted all of these wide-open offenses? That's part of it. The offense and then the players, too, right? So I use Lamar Jackson as an example, right? Won the NFL MVP award right. a few years ago. 20 years ago, you talk to guys around the CFL and even the NFL, that dude is in the CFL yeah. in his athleticism and all the rest. And that's just one example. You know, even the undersized guys, maybe like a Baker Mayfield or a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was on negotiation list in the CFL, but the fact that the NFL has had this shift to the wide open offenses has certainly kept those athletes down there where we're not seeing them come north of the border. And I do also think part of it has become lately in the CFL, we're more conservative. Up yeah. here. I shouldn't say we, but the coaches have become more conservative. And it's become, for whatever reason, more of a defensive game. And Fajardo mentioned that he felt like it's more difficult as a quarterback because you only have three downs. Your completion percentage needs to be higher. But I don't think you can say that and then look at the NFL and their completion percentages are way down because they're high. We're talking about elite passers at that level, too. So I think it's a mixture of things. It's that talent that is better suited, I think, on the CFL field like a Lamar Jackson, yeah. staying in the Even NFL. Even little slot receivers, right? Like, that's become something in the NFL where there is value on a speedster that if he, you know, back in the day, if he wasn't 6'2 and 210 pounds, he wasn't going to play receiver in the NFL. And then there was some innovation in the spot. I don't know if it was Bill Belichick and Tom Brady finding these little guys to work in the slot 
and absolutely tear teams apart. But now it seems like every team has at least a real good third wideout. Yeah, you got to have that dude. And yeah. I think one of the guys that Lamar Jackson throws to, Hollywood Brown, There's is an example of, them, yeah. of that. A little dude who's a speedster who normally would be in the CFL returning kicks maybe to start his career and then maybe as a receiver. So I think that's a perfect example in the shift of athlete that's staying in the NFL, not coming up north. So is part of what you're talking about maybe the reason we're seeing quarterbacks move? I mean, obviously injuries have played a factor this year in the CFL, but I mean, a Trevor Harris doesn't come available very often. And now you see Arbuckle going to back, I mean, back up the Edmonton Elks, but he's going to Edmonton. Like, is, is this what's happening because teams are getting frustrated with their quarterbacks? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think the Edmonton situation is totally unique in and of itself. I just think they blamed Harris. Now they bring in Arbuckle, who is a guy that doesn't even know that system whatsoever. But I think the quarterback movement, and more so, the one-year contracts people will talk about, guys not being in the same place, because as an athlete, you can understand it. you got to make your money. Yeah. But then in the olden days, we were used to seeing, right, Anthony Calvillo with the Alouettes for nearly his entire career, except when he was cut by the Hamilton Tiger Cats, right? Right. Why would you be quiet on the Hamilton Tiger Cats? People don't like they, to mention it, Because right? they <laughs> chased him out of town, and then he became one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the CFL. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, get a little quiet for that. Yeah. Uh, but but here's, the, here, here's the truth in all that is that um, it's important that sometimes – players are able to move, right? And they're able to go down to the NFL if they're good enough and make a little bit of money. But that lack of continuity hurts the CFL. And that's a give and a take between the PA and the league that I think they need to address. Yeah, I agree. And the NFL window was something that was brought back in because they thought it would bring players up quicker, a la a Johnny Manziel. Right. But the fact that now you can go down there every single year means guys like, you know, we're going to talk about him, I think, in a second, Reggie Bagleton can have one big year and then go try his luck in the NFL. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, NFL, at least Canadians in the NFL. How about Josh Palmer? Whoo! The Brampton Beast, my man. <laughs> Wasn't that something, Timmy? Yeah. That he, was like you one hand in the ball, except you have two defenders around you. Yeah. Think you can do that? Kind of. So on the weekend, <laughs> Josh Palmer out of Brampton catches his first NFL pass. Uh, I just think that he went up in traffic. Like you, you. This wasn't, you know, like Tim McAuliffe one hand. This was go up, and get it, two hands. <laughs> yeah, this is playing basketball, man. Going up and getting the rebound. But this is the type of talent that. Palmer has, and you mentioned he's a Brampton born and raised, went to the University of Tennessee, had some moments there, but his quarterback play was erratic. So that's why he fell to the mid rounds of the NFL draft. Mm -hmm. But there were scouts that were high on him because of his physical ability, his quickness, his smarts for the game. And he ends up in a perfect spot with the Los Angeles Chargers, can learn from Keenan Allen, who's, I think it's fair to say, on the back nine of his career, mm -hmm. but then gets to come up with Justin Herbert, who's playing at like an NFL caliber level. Is, is that the new Canadian position, wide receiver? Yo, might be. John Mechie out of Brampton. Mechie, Claypool, yeah. yeah. Rolling now. Yeah. All right, so uh, last story here. Uh, speaking of Canadians in the NFL, uh, Neville Gallimore. I see a note <laughs> from you that tells me he flip-flopped his NHL allegiances. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't get this, man. Like, I don't know if he didn't learn from what Drake has done, where people get caught on social <laughs> media, right? And People are going to take photos and videos of this. So he's from Ottawa, yeah. yet when they were in Dallas, he puts oh, on no. the Stars jersey, and then he comes back to his hometown and puts on the Sens jersey. Like, man, just pick one. And I would argue that if you're a Canadian NFL player, born up here, you should stay with your team. I don't care that you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. I get it. You want to yeah. rep that squad down there. But you got to stick with your team, man. That's a tough spot to be in. I'm going to be honest. 
I'm Come all on, for Timmy. I'm, oh, you Your know friend's me. sitting here. You're giving it to him. Hold on a second. I'm loyal as all hell. If I know that that lines my friend's pocket, Ooh. right? Like your friend's going to make a little more money, maybe be a little more ingratiated to the community if he just pulls. I know what you're saying. <laughs> it looks bad, mm-hmm. but it's probably like, listen, you've talked about this before. There are business decisions in the game of football <laughs> on the field, off the field. I feel like Neville Gallimore was in a business decision and he made a very smart business decision in Dallas. So he keeps everybody happy, right? Puts <laughs> on the Stars jersey, then puts on the Suns jersey when he's up here. I don't feel comfortable chirping him because I know exactly what he was doing. Yeah, plus he's a beast, too. He'd crush his skull. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very solid point in the mix, as always. Hey, listen, I hear, uh, I hear you're going to stick around for last call. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Jesse Rubinoff is ready. I'm ready. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of Tim and Friends next with last call. Justin Dunn, Jesse Rubinoff, and we'll do it all. Tim McAuliffe, Justin Dunk, Jesse Rubinoff. Dunkster. Uh, I don't know if you caught the beginning of the show, but we, we did play the Island Boys video a couple times. I don't know if you've seen it either. Uh, Tim, have you ever wondered what you and I would look like as the Island Boys? No. I do. No, uh, <laughs> Y'all tied it up, Timmy. Timmy with hair. <laughs> is that the, is that is that what's really funny about this? <laughs> there's lots going on. There. There's there's a lot going on. There. So good. Uh, who did that? Great job. Uh, I want to say it was Matt Morgan, Matty Mo. Oh, it's our team. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it was us. Yeah. Uh, well done. Now I can be an a-hole about it because I was just thinking it was a viewer that sent it in. I was like, hey, thanks for doing work no, for no, us. No. But now it was our guys making me look like no, a jackass. No, it was our guys. And All look, right. none of the viewers wanted to see the video anymore, and we didn't play the video. We just showed you the Photoshop, so we're in their good graces. I'm too. an and boy. <laughs> All right, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You're not going to get me to do that. My favorite you line is the Wagwan boy. Yes. No. Like this, the video. got to catch you too. Much. We got to move on from that. <laughs> We've got to do it with you. <laughs> um, no okay. chance. So no uh, Jack chance. Eichel was on an island in Buffalo. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is on an island in Cleveland. He was excused from Brown's practice for a second straight day today. Beckham was told not to attend Wednesday's practice one day after his father trashed Baker Mayfield on social media. OBJ is under contract for two more years, but has no guaranteed money left on his deal. Now, the trade deadline passed on Tuesday, so the Browns can't trade him until the start of the 2022 league year in March. Justin, do you think OBJ will ever play for the Browns again? No, I'm not feeling that. You can't trash the franchise quarterback and expect us to show back up, and he's not even having a great year this year. No. Like, what are we talking about? He's had, like, less than 300 yards. He's not the same OBJ. I get it. The offense is different, but, no, he's done himself in a Um... It's over. Oh it's yes. Over. <laughs> it, it is it is over and here's why here's why I don't even think that Baker May I don't know what Baker Mayfield is. I don't even know I know that the Browns have had 
comparable success with quarterbacks over the last few years, and he seems to be a steadying force. But last year, the Cleveland Browns figured out what they were when they figured out they were a running team. Deserve. So why make noise on a team that has had success by doing something that doesn't involve you. It shows selfishness, and there has been this background to Odell's career where he draws attention to him. He's the me guy. And this was a time where you just need to shut up, play football, and hope that the team wins games. And he couldn't do it. And listen, should he be fed a little bit more? Yes. Should Jarvis Landry be fed a little bit more? Yes. But you're trying to take Baker Mayfield from okay to really good, and the team's been better running the ball. Just let it be for six months, and maybe it'll get to where you want it to be. So say they eventually release him. Is there anywhere that we would like to see him? Like, our, what well, team? Well, the answer to that is always Tampa. Everyone just goes to Tampa, yeah, they, they show up, and they, they catch they 10 touchdowns. Like, what about, like, Bronx out? Like, because... Bill wouldn't put up with that, no way. No. The hoodie's okay. like that. Something. But that might be the perfect one, right? Where you go to Belichick and he says, listen, if you want to rehab your career, come here. But you got to do it my way. Yeah. That's but what you, you can say. Yeah, you got to do it my way. And then it's in his balls in his court. Back. We've talked to Nate about Odell Beckham Jr. before, and Nate really likes, Nate Burleson really likes him. But every once in a while, he does things where you're just like, come on, man. It can't always be about you. Yeah. Some point you got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, Green Bay Packers got some much-needed good news today. Devontae Adams returned to practice after missing the last 10 days while on the COVID-19 reserve list. Meanwhile, following the news of Aaron Rodgers' positive test, the NFL has begun its investigation into whether the Packers followed the protocols for vaccinated and unvaccinated players. Tim, does Green Bay have any shot at beating the Chiefs without Rodgers and with Jordan Love under center? Can, can we first off call out the BS of the NFL? Love to. Mm -hmm. Here, here's what happened. You did not see Aaron Rodgers doing unmasked interviews with the press. He applied to the NFL reportedly to get some sort of, I don't even know what you would call it, immunization pass as opposed to... Flip looks back, back when you watch it back. Oh, it looks, it looks terrible. Yeah. But what? why are they, why are they putting in an investigation on the Packers when they could have damn well seen what was going on here. Like, we all know what was going on here. There were rules for the rest of the Packers' unvaccinated players, and there were rules for Aaron Rodgers because he's Aaron Rodgers. Don't say you're... This is the thing that I was talking about last week when I said, stop saying the right thing and start doing the right thing. People are sick of people saying the right thing. It's so, surprising in a way, though, because do they it. investigated Tom Brady for Deflategate and suspended him. Right. So to me, how is this any different than that? There are rules set out. Clearly, yeah. Rogers broke the rules. Yeah. Guy's got to be disciplined. So he does these um, press conferences unmasked. Yeah. So who gets disciplined for that? Is it the Packers or is it Aaron Rodgers or is it both? Because well, it, it will be both. Like, yeah, combo, like, yeah. Whoever it is, it'll be both. But like, if you're going to make other players follow these rules, like even on the team, like if I'm unvaccinated and I'm seeing Aaron Rodgers doing different things than I'm allowed to do, yeah. kind of pisses me off a little bit. If you're a reporter, yeah. if you're a reporter in the press conference who's under the assumption that Aaron Rodgers is yeah. vaccinated in, in some respect, not the same thing as immunized. 
Um, okay, week nine. Didn't really answer the question either. But uh, can they, they win with Jordan yeah. Love? No, no, no. Yeah. Right. Okay, three. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> week nine. In the NFL. You know what that means, right? <laughs> so, you know that that means yeah. the Packers are winning. Hundred percent. Yeah. I should probably take them in Survivor now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike White is making a second straight start Mike to Jets White. tonight yeah. after he made history last week in his first career start. White threw for 405 yards and three touchdowns in the Jets' upset win of the Bengals in his jersey and the game ball are now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course they are. He's a Hall of Famer. White, right. You're calling Scotty Barnes Hall yeah. of Famer? Yeah. Mike White. Don't rush through this. Uh, Mike, Hall of Famer Mike White. He is. He is. Look, I, I said to you earlier in the show, or, or, or I think it was a commercial break, that I was excited to watch the Jets and Colts today. Yeah. And you and our producer, Thomas Dobby, were like laughing at me. Like, what do you mean? I was well, like, I'm with Ruben, I just want to see if this dude can follow up what he did last week. Like, yeah. is, is Mike White? You see the Tom Brady jokes flying around on Twitter. He's not going to beat Tom Brady. We get that. But he had a rough start last week, and then he was awesome. And can he do it again tonight against a very good Colts defense? The question is, Justin, can he? Man, I'm with you. I think he can. Why can't he? He had 37 completions last week, his first career start. He looks better in that one game against the good Bengals. Than Zach defense. Wilson has yeah. yes, and against the good Bengals defense yeah. all season long. So what's saying he can't turn this up on Thursday night, man? I'm on the Mike White train. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like I think it'll Feel be the hesitation. In, no, no. I, I, <laughs> yeah, here's yeah, what I think. Yeah. I think Michael Carter has been forgotten in all of this. Yes. Like every quarterback mm-hmm. gets love every time. It's always all about the quarterback, and he plays. What's wrong really with well. that, though? What's wrong with that? Yeah, says the former quarterback. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Nick Fitzgibbon somewhere is agreeing with me as we as we speak, and I almost swore. Michael Carter was unbelievable in that game, and I feel like because that team has been and listen, the Bengals game plan was very very simple, right? Like stack the box, Stop let missing. Mike White beat you, and he did. I think they're going to get some different looks against a Colts team that probably is better than their record suggests. So, say Mike White comes out and throws another 420 right, yards. Go. Does he start Hold over on. Zach Wilson? Save, save <laughs> Mike White comes out and throws for 420 yards. How many quarterbacks <laughs> okay. have thrown for 400? Say he 300 throws, yards. Say he throws, yards. fine. Say he throws yes, for he 250 yards and two touchdowns and, and the win. Jets win the game. Yeah. Yes, yes he's a starter. He's a starter. In yeah. NYC, yeah. Man. And then what happens with Zach Wilson? Crazy. It's the second overall pick. It's okay for quarterbacks to stand on the sidelines yeah. and learn Not a little bit. Not if you're the second overall pick. They'll go crazy. They will go crazy, And that's why their teams have sucked for the vast majority of our lives. Reactionary. Yes. Chill a little bit. Sorry, Eli Manning. Yes. Uh, Okay. From football to Japanese baseball news, naturally. Of course. Former major leaguer. Uh, Siyoshi Shinjo was introduced as the new manager of the Nippon Ham Fighters today, and this is the outfit he wore to the news conference. (laughs) So we're going to play that uh, Twitter social media game. What's... Siyoshi Shinjo's job, wrong answers only. What's he doing? Oh my goodness. I have so many things going through my head right now, but I'm just gonna say like late night disco day. Yeah, that's that's you know what I mean. That's the natural Covering one. It up. Like Elvis impersonator. Stay safe. I Maybe you can go with. I don't want to get booted off. The Saturday night fever. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. There are a lot of directions that you can go that you can't. I feel. Say. I, I also feel like. Um, he would star in an Austin Powers movie. Right. Ooh, like a, yeah. Is he a villain like, or is he like someone who works for He could work MI6? with, yeah, yeah, work with, be a, a villain. There's, there's definitely an Austin Powers. You know what? Now that I know what this picture is, because when I first saw it, I was like, what the hell is I love it now. Yeah. Wouldn't you love to play for a guy like 100%. that? 100%. 
I also like to live dangerously. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so good. Uh, okay, to soccer we go. Former England youth international Ike Ugbo has committed to play for the Canadian national team. The 23-year-old striker who plays professionally for Genk in Belgium was born in England to Nigerian parents and played his youth soccer in Brampton and Woodbridge before returning to England to join the Chelsea Academy. He could have chosen to play for England, Nigeria, or Canada, and he chose Canada. Tim, what does that say about how far Canadian men's soccer has come? I think you answered in the question. Like, this is another step where, listen, um, Junior Hoylet's on the team right now. There, there were player after player after player where you sat and waited for them to make a decision, and rarely was it Canada when it came down to Canada or Jamaica, Canada or England, Canada or the Netherlands, Canada or pick your African country. And now what you're seeing is players are saying, I wanna play for Canada. And it's because they've taken the national program to a different level, both behind the scenes and more importantly, on the pitch. He's gonna be with them in Edmonton too, where, you know what? Probably going to be a little colder than the weather that Sean McKenzie was standing out in today. Yeah, it might be a little chilly in Edmonton. <laughs> but that's what we wanted, right? Listen, that's what you wanted. You've been hyping that up for a while. Uh, I remember John Facenda on NFL Films, The Frozen Tundra. Yeah. Wasn't the only chilly reception awaiting the Kansas City Chiefs in Green Bay. Guess what, Costa Rica? It. Guess what, Mexico? <laughs> there will be a chilly reception awaiting you in Edmonton. Let's go. Uh, appreciate you doing this. Yeah, man. Always Jesse, fun. always great yeah. work with you. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you. Uh, busy night on the network. Curling ongoing. Another draw later on. Wings and Bruins coming up here on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Flames host the Stars. Regionally, Sportsnet West. Thunder and Lakers are in Sportsnet 1. That's it for us. We're done, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.